Well, good morning. It's great to be here with you today. So we're continuing on with this Christmas story. So far in his gospel or his biography of Jesus' life, Luke has given us two stories of the of Gabriel the angel announcing a pregnancy. Two weeks ago, Yvonne looked at the message Zechariah received that his wife, Elizabeth, would become pregnant. Despite being childless and beyond her childbearing years, and this echoes other stories in Israel's history where an older, childless woman has become pregnant. You might think of people like Sarah, Abraham's wife, the mother of Isaac, or Hannah, the mother of Samuel. Okay, how better? Great. <laughs> and both of these children, Isaac and Samuel, became really significant people in Israel's story. And then last week, Susan looked at Mary, and she received a very similar message, but even more significant, that she too would become pregnant, despite being a virgin, and that her baby would be called the Son of the Most High. <laughs> so here we are. We've got the stories of two unexpected and impossible pregnancies. Elizabeth was older and infertile, Although, this is something that the people of Israel have seen happen before when God was doing something important. And now also Mary, a virgin. That's something completely unheard of. And we saw that Mary responds to Gabriel's message by accepting it. She says, let it be with me. And then the angel leaves her. And that's a good ending for us as an audience, but I wonder what that would have been like for Mary. I mean, what is she meant to do after that? What is she meant to do when she wakes up tomorrow morning? I assume she would have had a lot more questions. Have you ever left a conversation and then thought of all the things that you should have said or should have asked? <laughs> Maybe she was wondering, did I hear all that correctly? Will anyone believe me? And if they don't, what will they assume? What will my family think? What will Joseph, the man I'm betrothed to, think? Why has God chosen me? What kind of baby will this be? And what do I do now? Well, one of the last things that Gabriel told Mary was that her relative, Elizabeth, was also pregnant, despite being well long in her years. And so we arrive at this small part in the narrative that often gets overlooked as we jump from the angels straight to the birth stories. But Luke made sure to include this because he thought it was important, and I'm glad that he did. And so this morning, we pick up the story at Luke chapter 1, verse 39. <coughs> Luke says that after Gabriel left, Mary made preparations and hurried off to see Elizabeth. Now, it was not a short journey from Nazareth down to the hill country of Judea, where Elizabeth lived. In fact, it probably would have taken her three or four days to journey all the way down there. And you might see what Susan was referring to last week when she said that Nazareth was a bit of a nowhere place. I mean, it's not really near anything. And if you can see, it's a little bit small, but if you can see down the bottom here, this is where Elizabeth lives, just near Bethlehem. So this is a very similar journey to the one Mary would take again in another few months with Joseph. When Mary finally arrives, she enters Zechariah's home and greets Elizabeth, which was a really um, expected thing to do um, for when a younger relative meets with an older relative. But the way that Elizabeth responds is not expected. We're told that when she heard Mary's greeting, 
her baby in her leaped for joy. Now remember that Gabriel said to Zechariah that Elizabeth's baby John would be filled with the Holy Spirit even before he was born. And here we have this unborn baby John recognising the significance of Mary's baby. Elizabeth herself was also filled with the Holy Spirit and in a loud voice she responded to Mary in a surprising way. So in this passage, we have Luke telling a narrative of events of things that are happening, and then he pauses it and uses the dialogue to explain the meaning of these events. So now filled with the Holy Spirit, Elizabeth says to Mary, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the child you will bear. Or in another translation, God has blessed you above all women, and your child is blessed. Now let's not forget that Elizabeth herself is carrying a miraculous pregnancy that's been announced by an angel. And yet, without any foreknowledge that we know of, she confirms what Gabriel had said to Mary about her pregnancy and the even greater significance of her child. Elizabeth goes on, Why am I so favoured that the mother of my Lord should come to me? And again, she's confirming that Mary's baby is even superior to hers. She even calls Mary's baby, my Lord. And John's leaping for joy is mentioned again. The fact that Luke includes it twice means he really doesn't want us to miss this. And we see a reversal of roles happening here. So we've got the older mother, Elizabeth, and the older baby, John, worshiping and praising the younger mother and the younger baby. And this is another pattern that echoes all the way through Israel's story. You might be able to think of other examples of where the younger child has been raised up above the older child. And I also wonder why Luke made the point of introducing us to Elizabeth as the wife to Zechariah the priest, but also as a daughter of priests. Could it be that he wants to show someone who represents the old way relating to God being the very first one to acknowledge God's presence? In Jesus. Echo, um, yeah, the one who will bring a new and even better way. <clears throat> Elizabeth concludes, blessed is she who believed that the Lord would fulfill his promises to her. And this is not just true for Mary, but it's true for all people. It will go better for all of us if we believe in the Lord's promises. Whether specific promises like Mary received, or general promises for all of us. I wonder what promises we will be blessed to believe will come to pass. Perhaps promises about who God says he is and what he will do, or promises about who he's called you to be and what he's called you to do. Maybe you've had people speak words over you, prophetic words from God. God can speak in many different ways, sometimes through an angel, and sometimes through his Holy Spirit living in his people. Or in Mary's case, she got both. And it's such a gift to each other when we listen to what God has to say and then share it. But it does take some bravery. And here we have Elizabeth, one of the first people in the New Testament that we see the Holy Spirit working through to speak to somebody else. And the Spirit still works like this today. So I wonder, will we be loud and affirming of each other? 
Will we be quiet first and listen to what God has to say to each other and then be brave enough to share it with them? To affirm and encourage them the way that Elizabeth did for Mary? I've been part of a um, <coughs> small pop-up group with Megan over the last few months um, and a bunch of other people as well. We've been practicing listening to God for other people or sometimes being prophetic. And I have to admit that this isn't something that's come easily to me, but I've really enjoyed um, getting more familiar with it and doing it with other people. And one week we were broken up into pairs and we took turns listening for one another. And the other person that was listening for me um, felt like they got this image from God of light, and that there was this warmth coming from that light. And the encouragement was that I'm often that light for other people, someone who makes them feel welcome and comfortable. And I can definitely see that there are parts of my life where this is really true, but not all the time. A few days after this, I was in a situation with a group of people, and I didn't know them very well, but they knew each other a lot more than I did. And so I sort of felt a little bit on the outer. And generally, in those kind of situations, I tend to be more reserved, to be quieter, tend to hang back. But I remembered these words that God had given me through this other person. And I felt like it was God encouraging me to still be that warm, welcoming person even though it wasn't necessarily my space. And it gave me an extra confidence that I wouldn't have had otherwise. It was so nice to look back and see how this other person had um, been used by God to speak and encourage me, to use gifts and skills I had somewhere I didn't expect to. Now sometimes God might ask you to share something specific and unexpected, like he did with Elizabeth. And sometimes he might just want you to encourage someone and either way, it's such a gift that we can do this for each other. Now, <clears throat> I can imagine Mary's reaction to Elizabeth's words. Now remember, she's just had this visit from an angel saying incredible things. She spent three or four days on the road getting to Elizabeth's home. And then she arrives. And Elizabeth confirms what Gabriel had already said to her. I imagine there would have been a big sense of relief, amazement wonder and gratefulness. This is really happening. And I've got someone who understands. I'm not alone. And if we take out the heading, we can see that Mary's song, known as the Magnificat, is the very next event in this narrative. After Elizabeth confirms what Gabriel had already said to Mary. It's Mary's response. So the interaction begins with Elizabeth praising Mary, and then it moves to Mary praising God for what he has done for her. She is overjoyed that God is doing this important thing and that he has invited her to be involved. Even though she's only a lowly teenager with no special qualifications or status. She begins her song with praise, very similar to the words Hannah used in the Old Testament after she had her son Samuel, whom she had prayed for for many years. Now we're going to take a break and watch a video from The Chosen, um, which shows um, a sort of an imagination of what it would have been like for Mary recounting these events for Luke to put in his gospel. <coughs> Do you know where Luke is? Yes, he is in Rome with Paul. Can you reach him if necessary? Of course. Why? He's been gathering his records of the stories and we spoke. But I didn't tell him everything. I told Luke about 
like this somewhere and nobody even wanted it to So Mary's song starts, My soul glorifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. For he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. From now on, all generations will call me blessed. For the mighty one has done great things for me, and holy is his name. What God has done for Mary is so significant that she perceives from now on every generation will consider her blessed. And she was right. Just a little bit later on in Luke's account, Jesus has just cast out a demon from a man who can't speak and he's interacting with the crowd. And someone in the crowd yells out, Blessed is the mother who gave you birth and nursed you. And we can see from every generation since then that Mary has been considered blessed. This nothing girl from a nowhere place. But she recognises that what God has done for her is also significant for all people of all generations. The second part of her song then moves on to how God's mercy extends to all people not just the people of Israel, but for everyone. So her song goes on. His mercy extends to those who fear him, from generation to generation. He has performed mighty deeds with his arm. He has scattered those who are proud in their inmost thoughts. He has brought down rulers from their thrones, but has lifted up the humble. He has filled the hungry with good things, but has set the rich away empty. He has helped his servant Israel, remembering to be merciful to Abraham and his descendants, just as he promised our ancestors. Now we're reading from English translation, but Luke originally wrote this, wrote this in classical Greek. So these verbs, shows mercy, scattered, brought down, exalted, filled, sent away, helped, remembered, they're written in what's called the aorist tense, which is just a fancy way of saying it's a past tense, but it doesn't indicate if it was only momentary or whether it was continuous, as in it doesn't indicate whether it ended or not. So while Mary may be describing what God has done in the past for his people, what he's doing now for her, she may also be seeing how God will continue to do these things through her son. In his mercy, God has and is performing mighty deeds with his arm. And not just for Mary, but for all people. He is a divine warrior. And also a merciful God who is faithful to his promises. The parts of God's character that Mary focuses on are his mercy, his might, and his faithfulness. The prayer, powerful and rich, those who oppose God and oppress his people are being dealt with. And at the same time, he is also lifting up the humble, as he's done for Mary. He's filling the hungry with good things and helping his servant Israel. And he does these things for the sake of his people and because of his mercy. And these are not just spiritual actions, but these are really practical and earthly things because God cares about what happens on earth. 
So what does Mary and her pregnancy got to do with these actions of God? Well, God is at work reordering things that are not right. We need God to intervene. And that's what he's doing through Mary and her son. Because God, in the person of Jesus, is the one who really sets this new order in motion. In fact, in just a few more chapters later on, we have Jesus, adult Jesus now, using very similar language as he talks with his disciples. Then Jesus turned to his disciples and said, God blesses you who are poor, for the kingdom of God is yours. God blesses you who are hungry now, for you will be satisfied. God blesses you who weep now, for in due time you will laugh. But what sorrow awaits you who are rich, for you have your only happiness now. What sorrow awaits you who are fat and prosperous now, for a time of awful hunger awaits. And what sorrow awaits you who laugh now, for your laughing will turn to mourning and sorrow. What sorrow awaits you who are praised by the crowds, for their ancestors also praised false prophets. Mary recognises that the fulfilment of this promise Sorry, this is the fulfillment of the promise that God made to Abraham and all his descendants. A promise the people of Israel had been waiting hundreds of years to see fulfilled. God promised Abraham that all people on earth will be blessed through him. And we see this being fulfilled in his descendant Jesus, who invites all people, not just the Israelites. Sorry, you can just say that one down there. Um, he includes everyone to be his people. So I wonder, do Mary's words bring true for you today? Do you need a reminder of God's posture and his mercy towards you? He desires to welcome and give good things to those who seek after him. Or perhaps you need a reminder of his mighty arm, that suffering will not always be your story, that the injustices and the oppressors in this world will not be left forgotten. And the evil in the world will be held to account. Or perhaps a reminder of his great faithfulness. That his promises will not be empty. Even through the generations, he is a faithful God of his promises. Both for the things he promised Abraham, but also for the things he promised through Jesus, which we are all invited into. Now this section of the narrative then ends with Luke telling us that Mary stayed with Elizabeth for three months and then went home. Now I wonder why three months? Why mention that? Well, if it was me and I had spent three or four days walking to get there, I'd probably want to stay a while. <laughs> and also remember, Mary's only just been told by Gabriel about this pregnancy. And it's probably only a couple of days after that that this event has happened. So she's not seen any physical evidence of actually being pregnant yet. She's just had people telling her this. But after three months, she would have missed a few cycles and maybe she would have started to see some symptoms of being pregnant. Maybe enough to start telling people when she returned home. Now when Mary arrived, Elizabeth was in her six months of pregnancy. Now six plus three gets you to nine. She's about when Elizabeth would have given birth, which makes sense. If I travelled all that way to see my relative and she was about to give birth to this miraculous baby, I'd probably want to say, stay and see if that really did happen. And it did. Elizabeth did have the promised son. When John was named, Zechariah also got his speech back. 
further confirmation that Gabriel really did know what he was talking about. Now Mary's got to figure out how she's going to tell people when she gets back home. She's not married. This is not meant to be happening. And I imagine she would have really enjoyed spending those three months with Elizabeth. Wandering, dreaming, asking, maybe even worrying a little bit. Elizabeth was someone who understood her situation. I imagine they spent many great nights together pondering these things. Perhaps she used these three months to figure out what she was going to do when she returned home again. And so it asked the question, who are the people in your life, like Elizabeth, that you can sit with, that you can ask hard questions of, people who can encourage and affirm you, people who understand what it is like to go on a faith journey? I know that my life has been made far richer by people who've done this with me, both peers and older people. They share wisdom and encourage and affirm who God has made me to be. Or perhaps today, you might be encouraged um, to come alongside and encourage somebody else. Who might God want to speak to through your voice? Because God invites you to be part of his story. And all that's needed is your willingness. God invites you in. Even if you think you're too old and you've maybe missed the boat, perhaps like Elizabeth may have felt, or even if you feel like you're too young and inexperienced, maybe how Mary would have felt, he still invites you. So this Christmas season, will you bend your ear to God and offer him your voice? Perhaps your words of encouragement might enable someone else to step into God's promises, as Elizabeth did for Mary. That they might know God as the merciful, mighty, faithful God that he is and they might offer up their own praises.